If you can have a seat, let's pray. God, we come tonight to celebrate you, to celebrate who you are and what you have done. We come to praise your name. God, may our hearts declare, may our lips declare that you are Lord, that you are Savior, that you are the God of glory. And we praise you. God, now and forevermore, we praise you and you alone. God, we want to meet with you tonight. Speak to us. Give us the message we need to hear. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, church. Yeah, how are you guys doing tonight? It is good to be with you. Good to have so many of you with us as we come to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I mean, that's why we are here. The early church historian Luke records that story this way. He says, while Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. Modern translation, she was ready to pop. So she gave birth to her firstborn son and named him Jesus, which means God saves. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Now, friend, when you hear that story of what happened so long ago in Bethlehem, what comes to mind? What scene do you see when you picture that? Is it a scene of a cute little baby boy wrapped all sweetly in his blankets and his cloths and lying sweetly there in a manger, sleeping sweetly, peacefully, quietly? Is it a scene of a doting daddy, a delighted mommy, gazing down at their beautiful child? Is it a scene of sweet little lambs off to the side? Just taking it easy. Oxen, just calm. Donkeys doing their Eeyore thing over in the corner. Excited little shepherd boys gazing in. Angels singing above and bright light shining in. Is that the scene? I mean, that's often what's depicted in our major scenes, on our Christmas cards, in the TV shows. But is that really what it was like? I mean, let's think about what actually was happening in that stable. I mean, after all, there was no running water. There was no soap. There was no hand sanitizer. It wasn't a very sterile environment. There were no doctors or nurses to help out. There were no diapers or wives, any parents, and any young parents are like, oh, yeah, immediately, that scene was not as peaceful as I thought, right? There was no bed for mommy and daddy. There was no hospital room service with, even if the meals are only adequate, you're still getting somebody else to cook for you and bring that meal to your room. There was none of that. But what there was, was a whole lot of mess and a whole lot of chaos. There was filth and dirt and stink and sweat and blood and tears and exhaustion and frustration and all of that to match the elation. Now, as soon as they saw that sweet little boy and they held him in their arms, none of those other things mattered for mommy and daddy. But you know, once the baby was sleeping sweetly, nobody else was. I mean, that was a bit of a chaotic scene. Now, that doesn't match what we send in our Christmas cards. We have a pretty sterile version, a sanitized version of what happened in the manger so long ago. 
Probably because that's the kind of Christmas we want. We don't want the Christmas with the chaos and the mess and the crying and the tears and all of that. We want a peaceful, serene, sweet setting. You know, when Christmas is anything but sweet, when it's anything but peaceful, we do what we can to try and fix the situation, right? I recently read of a few husbands who, when their wives had forced them to go Christmas shopping with them. Now, some of you, most of you probably have done a fair amount of your shopping online, but gauging by the stores and the traffic on Preston Highway the last few days, some of you are still doing your Christmas shopping. Some of you have yet to do your Christmas shopping. You don't have much time left, but you're still going to the store to do it. So when these guys were dragged to the store by their wives and they had to go Christmas shopping, they found some creative ways to entertain themselves. One guy went to the housewares department and he set all the alarm clocks to go off in 10 minutes. And then he sat back in one of the chairs in the store and just waited to watch. Another guy went around into the changing room and he waited until he could hear other customers enter nearby changing rooms and he yelled out, hey, there's no toilet paper in this stall. One of the guys pretended to play hide and seek in the store, but he was by himself. So instead, it was more like hide and terrify who else opened up the clothing rack when he was in there, kind of creepy in some ways. And one husband rearranged, redecorated, and repositioned the store mannequins to have a fun scene of his own. So they got creative for that. Now, we all hope for a break from the normal at Christmas. We all hope for a break from the chaos and the mess and the stress. But we know that sometimes we still get those things. And we don't want... A break just at Christmas times, we would love that to last for a whole lot longer in our life. You know, as goofy as it sounds, most of us actually want the thing we mock. Most of us would love to have our lives and our Christmases look a little bit more like the Hallmark movies that we like poking fun of. I mean, who doesn't want a love that lasts with a happy ever after? Who doesn't want resolution to all their conflict at work and conflict with all the people in their home to be resolved? Who doesn't want a family that's at peace? I think most of us would be really happy if one of our best friends owned a fantastic bakery and let us have all the sweet treats we wanted all the time, like he's in every Hallmark movie. Not that I watch a lot of them, but I've heard. I think we would all enjoy a fresh snow that never melts and doesn't turn to slush and doesn't come with cold weather like apparently happens in the movies. And most importantly, we all want the happy ever after. Friend, what are you hoping for this Christmas? What are you longing for? Beyond the presence from the tree, what is it that your heart really longs for? I think we'd all agree that we'd hope for a world without tension a world with a little less division. We'd hope, those of us who are parents and grandparents, that our kids and our grandkids would have a world that is a little bit calmer than what we see on the news each day. Maybe we hope for a little less stress and we hope for a little more calm in our lives. One researcher found that the blood pressure readings in people who were driving in Christmas shopping traffic their blood pressure readings were roughly equal to those of fighter pilots in combat. You know what that means? 
That means we listen to songs about happy sleigh rides and we like movies with beautiful sleigh pictures in them and we think about this. But what we experience is a little more top gun, highway to the danger zone kind of thing when we're in the traffic. That's what Christmas feels like more of the time. Now some of you, you're hoping for peace with a spouse. Some of you, you are hoping to find a little more peace with a teenage son or daughter. Some of you are hoping for a promotion and the paycheck that goes with it. And you're hoping that it's more meaningful than just being part of the jelly of the month club, right? And some of you, if you're the one who prepares the meals at home and you're the one who has to prepare the house for the guests who come to visit, you're hoping for a little more help around the house, a little more help in the preparation. You know, we all have that person in our lives who is always trying to prep for everyone else. And we know what that's like, right? Because we see behind the scenes that as things are getting ready, we're like hanging out with the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, right? Like, get the house ready, get the food prepped. But then as soon as the first guest shows up, there's this miraculous transformation to Rex from Toy Story. Hey, guys, welcome to the house, right? Like, and if you don't know who that person is... I'm just going to leave it at that. So we all know what that's like. And we all know that we have that certain relative who comes over and they're the most dysfunctional person on the planet. And they want to talk politics at the dinner table and they want to create the most disturbing seed possible and disrupt the peace. And you're just hoping that that person gets laryngitis this year for Christmas when they come. We know what that's like. Now the problem is, all the things that we'd hope for and all those presents that we do want under the tree and all the stuff that we'd hope happens, a lot of times, isn't based in reality. Most of the time, it's wishful thinking. It's blind optimism. And it's just wishful. Now, there are some people who have their, their hope based on their abilities and their genes, what they've accomplished, how good they are, the things they can do on their own. And so they might have a little bit more room to hope for a little bit more good to happen. And then there are those people who just hope against all hope, and they are blindly optimistic. And they're the people who annoy us because they're totally divorced from reality, right? But we need, all of us, need a hope that is bound in something more certain. We need a hope that has some gravity to it. I think most people, most of the time, would wish that God would just give us what we want. That God would just give us all the things we'd hoped for. But we know that that's not how it works. So Frank, can I submit to you that while God probably isn't just going to give you everything you hope for, God will give you the hope that is underneath everything, if you'll allow it. And what that means is we need to turn from the things that we're hoping to get, the things that we're hoping for, And we need to direct our focus to who deserves for us to put our hope in. And that's Jesus. We need to shift from hoping for to hoping in. Because true hope, lasting hope, is rooted in the faithfulness of God and his unchanging character and his promises he has given to us. He is a good and benevolent God. And he deserves our hope. So let's go back to that scene in the manger. And let's look at who was actually born there. 
You know, the Bible gives us many names and many titles for Jesus. The Eternal One, the Mighty God, the Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, Lord Almighty, Redeemer, Savior, Emmanuel, which means God with us, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the Divine Deliverer, the King of Kings, the Holy One. That's who was born in that manger. Now these titles all signify power and authority and glory, all wrapped up sweetly in swaddling cloth in a feeding trough. But friend, don't let the humility of how the Holy One entered into this world, don't let his humility obscure the reality for you of who he is. See, he is the Holy One. Words like holy and mighty and wonderful and strong and eternal. His names reflect an image very different from the fragile, helpless child in a manger. He is strong and he is mighty. And this mighty child would grow up to be a humble man on a cross who would defeat sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. He would defeat sin with a cross. And he would prove victorious over the grave. That's who was born in the manger. Now, we can't leave the baby in the manger at Christmas because the story doesn't end there. We can't leave the baby in the manger any more than we can leave the Savior on the cross or lying in the grave because the story doesn't stop there. What began in the manger culminated with an empty grave with a reigning king and a risen Savior. That's who he is. Years after the resurrection and years, obviously, after the birth, Jesus' friend Peter sent this declaration to the church. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. You know, God displays terrific mercy to us. Because we don't deserve this. And that's what mercy means, getting what we don't deserve. And he's given us a new birth. On the day and the season that we would talk about the birth of the little baby in the manger, it's only appropriate and good for us to talk about the birth that he invites us to experience. A new birth, a birth of hope and a birth of new life. Not a birth like what he experienced from Mary, but more so a birth like what he experienced out of the grave to come out of that tomb. And he invites us to experience the same, to have his life born in us and to have his hope born in us. And that we would experience a living hope. You know, we have a hope that is alive because we have a savior who is alive. And to experience a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. You know, at Christmas time, you gather with the family. And if your mom is anything like my mama, you end up going home with mass quantities of leftovers. And they're stuck in Cool Whip containers and stuck in other plastic containers. You get them home and you put them in the fridge. And then you realize a week later that one of them got tucked into the back. And you're like, oh, is that still good? And if you're like me, sometimes you brave it. And you realize, nope, shouldn't have done that. You know, you feel it the next day. That's not how God's promises are. That's not how God's hope is. It's never going to perish. It's never going to spoil. It's never going to fade. It doesn't have the expiration date. It is a lasting hope forever. A new life that will never expire. You know, friend, 
We have a living hope because we have a living Savior. And the hope that was born in the manger can be born in you today, if you'll allow it. If you will surrender your life to Jesus and allow his life to be born in you. You know, Jesus is a gentleman. He doesn't force anyone to follow him. But he invites everyone to follow him. The invitation is for everyone. And this hope is for everyone. The child who was born in that manger was born for all people of all times and all places. And he was born to give you hope and to give you life. And you can receive that if you choose. You know, what a beautiful gift it is that the king would give his own life for his people. I mean, that's the story we see unfold in Scripture. It's the king of kings would take a cross meant for us so that we could have life, so that we could experience his glory, so that we could experience all that he has for us for eternity. You know, a king who is that benevolent, a king who is that good, is worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship and worthy of our hope. A savior powerful enough to roll the stone away from death's door and to walk out of the grave victorious is worthy of our praise and he is worthy of our hope. You know, as we talk of hope, I think there are some common pieces of hope for all of us. Things that we all long for, things that we all hope in, and things that are bound up in the certainty of who God is what he has done, and what he desires for you. A hope that our bad days aren't the last chapter in our story. A hope that our bad decisions don't have the final say in our lives. A hope that restoration and reconciliation is possible in the relationships that feel most strained and most out of sync in our lives. A hope that this world and all of its brokenness is not all there is, but that better days await us, and that there is a life beyond the grave, and that death won't win. A hope that we can be more than we currently are. A hope that the pain of the moment will give way to comfort and eventually to celebration. A hope that what's ahead is better than what's behind. And that this nagging sense that there's got to be more to life can actually be answered in a life that is more than what we ever thought possible when we find our true life in Jesus. You know, friend, that's what Jesus came for that we would have that kind of hope. Friend, our hope has a name. Your hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. You know, if the only thing you celebrate this time of year is a child born in a manger, if the only thing you do this time of year is give some gifts to other people to feel generous with the ones you love, you've missed it. You've missed it. Because the Christmas story is so much bigger than the child in a manger. The story didn't start there and the story doesn't stop there. The story began in the heart of God before the creation of the world. As God had you on his mind. And the story will continue and echo throughout eternity. As the risen and reigning people of God who are rescued by him sing his praises. As we sing the praises of the God who was born man and who died and rose again, all for the glory of the Father. See, this God is a God of glory, and he's a holy God, and he's a God of hope. It's the hope of, of Christmas, friends. 
that the King of kings and the Lord of lords steps into our world and offers us hope. He steps into our darkness and he brings his light. That's how Jesus' friend John records the birth narrative. That the God of all glory stepped in and made his dwelling here amongst us and he burst into the darkness with his light and the light overpowers the darkness. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what kind of darkness you're facing. But I know with this many people gathered, for at least a few of you, you're in some pretty dark times. Maybe as dark as it's ever been. And friend, you need the light of Christ to burst forth with hope in your life. And he offers it to you. That's why he came is to bring his hope and to breathe his hope into your life. The story of Christmas is a God who is for us and a God who meets us in the darkness and in the despair and gives us hope and gives us a way forward. The story of Christmas is a God who is for you and not against you, a God who has come to you to be with you and to offer you the chance to be with him for all eternity. That is the beautiful story of Christmas, a God who loves us that much. Now, I'm guessing some of you Some of you feel a pretty significant gap between what you hope for and your reality of what you experience. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, that gap just seems unmanageable. The chasm seems too far to bridge. But with Jesus, there is hope that can bridge any gap and can take away the despair. That's the story of Christmas, is that we serve a God of hope and he has come for you to be with you, God with us. You know, I think some of you, you've, you've just simply lost sight of who God is. Maybe you've never known. And so you have a lack of hope because you have an overabundance of despair. But our God is the great hope bringer. And tonight I just want to point you back to him. To the God who loves you and the God who is for you and the God who came for you. And he came originally in a manger, but he'll come back again. But next time he won't enter so humbly and he won't enter so quietly and he won't be a fragile baby, but he'll be a warrior coming with all the armies of heaven to take his people and rescue them and take them home. But friend, you only get to go home with him if you choose to follow him. And I pray that that is your decision, to make Christ your hope. Listen to how Paul, a missionary and leader in the early church, listen to what he prayed for the church at Rome. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. See, that's the way we access the joy and the peace that we hope for, that we long for is by putting our trust and our hope in Jesus. He says, and then you will overflow with confident hope, not with wishful thinking, not with blind optimism, not with some, maybe this will happen someday, but with an assurance of hope through the power of the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done and the fact that he is for you and that he has rescued you for eternity. Friends, the message of of Christmas declares over you that God is for you and that he entered into the story for you. 
And he wants you to have all the peace he offers and have all the joy he offers and for you to overflow hope. For those of us who follow him, he wants us to be hope bringers. He wants us to overflow his hope everywhere we go. To just be those people who are just spewing hope everywhere. Spewing is probably the wrong word for it, especially this time of year, but that's what he wants for us, right? Just to, to give his hope everywhere we go. To be hope bringers and hope traffickers. And if you don't know that hope, I pray as Paul did, that you will find it by putting your trust in Jesus. Friend, we celebrate him tonight. That's why we're here. And not just to celebrate him as a child, as a baby in a manger, but to celebrate him as the risen Savior and the reigning King, the Holy One, the majestic God who reigns for all of eternity, who is worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship and worthy of our song. The God who is for you and not against you. The God who came for you. Let's pray. Father, I pray as Paul did that we would all know you as the source of hope and that we would be filled with all the joy and the peace that you offer. Filled, as Paul says, completely. Filled up to the very top with joy and peace. God, that's what we long for. God, we know the only way we'll find it is by putting our trust in you. Trusting you as Savior and trusting you to lead us. So God, may we not put our trust in ourselves. May we not put our hope in what we have or what we've done, how smart we are, how good looking we are, anything about us or anyone we know. May our hope be all in on you and you alone. And God, would you give us a confident hope that overflows knowing that someday we will be with you in glory. And we will stand forever in that beautiful place. Oh, Jesus, we pray this in your name because you are the mighty God and the merciful Savior.